Welcome to Beer Me. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. Every episode, I will have a guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world. From brewers to importers, educators, this will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So I'm very excited to welcome back to the show two of my favorite guests. Uh, today, I have Colleen Seppi. She is the site coordinator for Food Rescue US DC. And Daniel Villarubi, he is the director of brewing operations for Atlas Brewworks. Thank you both so much for coming back to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, for sure. Um, first and foremost, Daniel, uh, big time congratulations uh, for Atlas. You won some awards at the World Beer Cup, I understand. Yes, thank you. We um, we won a gold medal for the uh, for our silent neighbor uh, in the export stout category, um, and we're all really stoked. It was uh, that's been kind of a, one of the beers I think around the brewery we consider one of our best, and when it uh, when it hit, we we were just ecstatic. No, that's amazing. Big time congratulations and very very well deserved. Um, so from what I understand, you're doing a really exciting, um, food rescue beer, but before we get into that, Colleen, can you tell listeners, um, what you do and a little bit about the organization that you work for? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am the site coordinator for food rescue USDC. So food rescue is, is that it's a food recovery program, a food recovery nonprofit. So we take food from corporations, businesses that have a surplus and otherwise would throw it away. And we connect it to um, receiving agencies and other nonprofits around the city who use that food to feed their communities who are food insecure and low income. And we do that with a very dedicated uh, base of volunteers who use an app to choose which rescues make sense for them, them and their schedule. So, you know, we create the matches where we say, you know, we'll have anywhere from, you know, call your mother delis all around the city. We pick up every single day from, you know, five different locations. Uh, we have a pizza. We have corporate cafeterias like Aramark, Sodexo, um, Restaurant Partners at either Boeing, National Geographic, Capital One Arena, from the Convention Center, wherever. Um, and then we connect them to receiving agencies who can use that food the best, whether they have, whether they're an organization that cooks for people or they have, they prefer prepared meals or, or whatever the case may be. Um, and then our rescuers will pick that, go into the app, say like, I have Tuesdays open from two to four, see what's open. They claim it. They go pick up the food. We try and have it, you know, the receiving agency less than a mile down the road so that they've done something super cool with their day within less than 30 minutes. That's amazing. And so this app is for kind of people to get engaged and, and volunteer essentially. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's better if you have a car, but if you have a bike or, you know, some people use a wagon, if it's like within walking distance of their house or of their job or whatever. Um, yeah, it helps them get involved. Some people, you know, it's for, it's, it's a dual purpose mission where we're keeping food out of landfills that would otherwise, you know, that's can still feed people and it's still healthy and nutritious. Um, and we're feeding people who are hungry and who don't have access to healthy, nutritious food. That's amazing. And I think 
this kind of leads us directly into the conversation with Daniel here um, about the beer that you all are making. And so, and this is just to give the listeners a little bit of context here. So on this show, something that I've said again and again and again is that craft brewers are fosters of the, uh, of their communities. And they really have a knack for being able to go into a community and grow and build and kind of foster that um, that community. And I think that this is such a great example of that. And I think Atlas, you know, really takes that seriously. And I feel like you all try to do as much good as, as you possibly can. Um, so Daniel, I'm not gonna take your thunder anymore here, but can you tell us a little bit about this beer? This is not the first year you've done this, but can you give the listeners a little background? Uh, yeah, so um, last year we uh, we started working with Food Rescue, and uh, we we made a a beer using uh, mostly peaches, also nectarines. Um, it was a uh, slightly sour. I uh, used a yeast called Brett, kind of gives it a little bit of a little bit of a funky funky note. Um, but yeah, um, Colleen and her crew just brought uh, you know a bunch of peaches by that were sort of on the way out but still still tasting very good still very usable in beer um even if they weren't the uh the prettiest or the uh you know maybe maybe slightly overripe um and uh and yeah i mean i think the beer we put out was fantastic we you know we're, we're really excited to work with them again um i think we're going to go with something similar but maybe even try to work in um kind of like uh some uh some bread into the mash uh, we know like uh bakeries a lot of times have some have some leftover bread at the end of the day can't move the next day because it's like stale whatever but still a good source of starch for beer so i want to i want to talk through the process a little bit here so and colleen hop in when uh when it makes sense but so groceries i mean you have these really kind of beautiful, stunning displays of produce when you go into a grocery. And, um, you know, I think the standards for produce is so, so, so high, especially in our country. Um, any little blemish, any little anything immediately gets that fruit or vegetable removed from the display. And more often than not, that piece of produce goes right into the garbage. Um, and so this is basically taking that fruit that maybe isn't as picture perfect, um, but still very much edible, correct? Yeah. So we, you know, we had this idea back. So we have a, a the basis of this beer was um, to have it our fundraiser, um, to serve at our fundraiser that the last in 2022 was our second one that we had in person. And we have another one coming up in um, for 2023. And we wanted to do something that highlighted the, you know, what we rescue from grocery stores, from farmers markets, from wherever every day that can be repurposed. Um, that was kind of the theme of our, of our fundraiser. And Daniel was the first person I thought of to help us with this um, because on a daily basis, we will get rescues and we will be picking up produce from, from our local markets because, you know, either, you know, like from Costco, they have, um, in, in larger quantities, obviously you're buying small little boxes of fruit. And if one has gone bad in that entire box, the box has to get thrown out. Um, 
so it was those things where like, how can we incorporate this? Because there's so much good food that's going to waste because it doesn't look good or want, there's like literally one bad apple in the bunch. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a, it's something that we see every single day, multiple times a day. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even think about like the bagged, you know, the bags of, you know, eight apples or whatever. Um, yeah, so if like one like, orange has, yeah, one if one peach, one orange, one apple looks bad in that bag, you can't open the bag. You have to just throw it out. Oh my gosh! Yeah. What are some? And, and sorry, we we're going to go off a little bit of tangent here, but like, what are some other uh, kind of food standards that have surprised you in your role where you had no idea, like, oh, that that means you have to throw it away? Um. I, the I mean I've been doing this for a year now and mm -hmm. the amount that's a I get surprised almost every all the time of what people are throwing away like we get we get calls for things that are not food that they're like can you please find a home for 5,032 ounce cups with a certain logo on it and you're like oh, what <laughs> um we've gotten calls from Costco like can you come take these mattresses or this toilet or this grill and we're like okay what's wrong with it they're like well nothing really there's just one thing that's wrong with it and you're like and you can't put it on the floor anymore um <laughs> those things are crazy but food wise you know a lot of places will throw out anything that had so like the whole best buy sell by date is something that is a huge contributor to food waste in this country because yeah the best buy the sell by like if you're there's some markets that we worked with that were doing you know ready-made sandwiches and salads and, and, you know, whatever parfaits, you know, those little, like you have a little reach in and you're grabbing it. Um, and if they have a best by date that they decide at the mm -hmm. end of that best by date, like at five o'clock that's it's in the trash, if it hasn't sold that day and it's still good for at least two or three more days. And so we'll bring it to places that don't necessarily have kitchens or access to, um, access to to this kind of food um and it's those things where i'm like i am i am shocked by the amount that people throw away like businesses throw away because it doesn't look good or not even you know not even that it's gone bad just that there's a sticker on it that tells somebody that it's gone bad yeah and those no. sorts of things are just there where you know there's laws in place and people are very hesitant about donating food because they're afraid of liabilities but there's laws in place that protect you as a food donor from liability um obviously Ooh. like we're not taking people's trash like that's not a thing that we're doing we're not giving people trash food we're not taking these things off of people plate people's plates like from a buffet or anything like that but there yeah. are laws and places um it's called the bill emerson good samaritan act um and they actually just did a um an amendment this year the food donation improvement act was passed in january um that says you know there are certain laws for sure like i said like if it's if food's been put out on a buffet i can't take it if food has yeah. already been served to somebody i can't take it if it's rotting obviously i'm not going to take it um yeah. those sorts of things but outside of that i mean there there are some gray areas but it's been improved you know prior to this amendment food was supposed to be donated through a 5013c or another nonprofit like food rescue us and then given to a different you know, we were kind of the conduit from the, uh, the, the, the producer of the food through the people who are going to end up eating it. Um, but now you can donate directly to anyone who needs it, um, which nice. has been great. 
So, you know, restaurants who have helped you out during a crisis, whether that's like when the apartment building fell in Miami or when, you know, there's a hurricane. Restaurants technically were not supposed to feed people directly. It had to go through a 5013C first. You know, in oh. times of crisis, is that something that you always think about? No, you just want to help in any way that you can. Um, and now you can. Now you can donate directly through. And that's great. Nice. That's amazing. Yeah. And have you found that, you know, especially in the D.C. area, um, you know, as you're able to educate, you know, different uh, establishments, whether they're retail or um restaurants about you know how easy it is to donate food how easy you know it is to um you know avoid any liability or anything like that have you have you had people you know delightfully surprised and then you've got more donations on the roster yeah definitely i mean there's places that are still kind of hesitant and pushed back like we a bit more corporate um Corporate stores are more like less likely to donate yeah. um, if anything has their name on it or something like that. Um, but we've definitely gotten more people on the people who had no idea that they were able to donate. I mean, we've gotten more restaurants on board. And I tell people all the time, you know, we don't really rescue from restaurants because if they have a lot of weights at the end of the day, they're doing something wrong. <laughs> like yeah. they're, they're, they've, they've overordered, they've missed a decimal, something has happened. Um, but when off things happen, like if they get, you know, you know, distributors they're going to drop or like you know uh delivery people are going to drop off food and if they misorder something or they just dropped off an extra case of tomatoes they're not taking those tomatoes back on that truck like they are now your case of tomatoes and if you can't do anything with them they p- people now know to give us a comment like hey we have all this extra food we're not gonna be able to use it today in our service can you come take it um yeah. or like we had a, a partner that they're like a pipe burst and they're like we can't open for the day can you take you know all this bread that we have that we're not gonna be able to use. Um, but also we are really trying to get more on the radar of people's uh, of events um, and getting onto people's to restaurants and, and caterers, BEOs, and trying to have that line at right written in. Really, if you have any excess food that has been prepared and purchased, but not put out for service, mm-hmm. are you okay donating it to Food Rescue USDC who will find a home for it? And most people are on board with that. So that's been super cool kind of teaching people to reframe events where there's so much food waste that happens from events. And I think we both know that from our experience in restaurants that we've had events that there's been food for covering every service. And at the end of it, you're just like, we have so much food that hasn't been put out yet and nothing is like <laughs> where it's not gone out. So there, no one's eating or, you know, there's so much food left over or whatever. Yeah. Um, and what, what happens with that food? So that's been something that's been great, kind of switching that mind frame. Like, you don't have to put out an entire tray of mac and cheese when there's 20 minutes left in an event. You do not have to put out an entire tray of sliders when no one else is eating anything. Like, 20 minutes left in an event, no one's eating anything anymore. Um, so kind of having that, thinking that way and, and holding back as opposed to putting out more food that no one's going to eat and you're just going to, it's just going to get wasted. Yeah, no, it's a, that's been good. It's definitely, it's definitely something that, you know, you're constantly combating, um, you know, yeah. And, and I've in a former life 
was a event and meeting planner and um, the amount of food waste, especially in, in like a hotel setting is staggering um, because there's that you want, especially if there's like a buffet or a, or, or a display or something like that, you always want even to the last minute that, that, that illusion of uh, fullness or bounty. Right. Absolutely. Um, and it's, and I think, I think, I hope that that mindset is slowly changing. I'm seeing more now, like when I'm in hotels, when I'm in event spaces, I'm seeing that mindset of like having to continually refresh all the way up in the last minute. I see that shifting a little bit and that makes me very hopeful. <laughs> That's great. That makes me hopeful as well because we're, we're trying to, you know, it, but it's that, it's the abundance, you know, you have hosts that they, they never want their guests to want for anything. And that's, that's part of it. Um, but yeah, it just, you're like, you just see the food waste and you're like, you do you need this much food? Who knows? <laughs> well, Daniel, I want to get back to the, to the beer at hand. Um, as you both know, we get, we get tangents going on, on beer me. Um, yeah. so <laughs> Daniel, can you walk us through a little bit like of the process um, of actually making this beer? Because you're getting, I mean, I'm assuming you're not getting like all the fruit you need for the beer all in one drop, right? Like it's kind of coming in as as a little bit of a trickle. Uh, yeah. So um, what we did last year is they, um, you know, Food Rescue US crew uh, would, would bring by, yeah, like a few cases of peaches at a time. Mm -hmm. Um and we would uh, bring them in, uh, cut them up, like at the the pit the the pits out, mm -hmm. um, blanch the fruit, and then uh, and toss it into. Uh, we were actually doing it in a barrel aged uh, sour beer, um, okay. so we'd just kind of fruit one barrel at a time, uh, and then fill up on, on top of the fruit. Okay. Um, yeah, and it sort of uh, it worked really well for uh, for the sort of for the setup we had um, to do it that way. And um, for listeners, uh, blanching is just kind of like a quick uh, dip in some uh, boiling water uh, for produce. Um, and I'm assuming, Daniel, that's for any kind of, that's for like a, a cleanliness aspect? Yeah. Um, typically, the, uh, you know, the, the microbes um, that grow on fruit, uh, they can, they can kind of ferment, uh, ferment the beer separately and kind and, and produce their own flavors and just for sake of control mm -hmm. um you know we want to make sure that uh we're sort of killing those off um sometimes they produce wonderful flavors uh so sometimes not so much um but yeah so for, for the sake of control we that's what we did the blanching for and then about how much fruit are you putting in in a barrel well uh, I have to go back through my notes now, actually. But, no, no, uh, no, you're good. <laughs> uh, I want to say it was. Uh, I want to say it was roughly. It was roughly like sixty pounds of fruit in a barrel. Mm -hmm. Um. It was. Uh, it was. A, it's a good. It's a good bit. I think it's. They're. They're like. Uh, Fifty-nine gallon barrels. Yeah. Um, and uh, with the amount of the space the fruit takes up, we're probably getting about a pound and a half per per gallon of beer. Um. But it gives it a like a, a delicious. It gives it like a really like fantastic, really full fruit flavor. Um, some of those sugars get uh, fermented, so it's not super sweet. Um, 
but you are left with like the the flavor of the peaches. Nice. And I think um, it is uh, important to point out that a lot of breweries, when you're trying to brew a beer that has that fruity, if any kind of fruit flavor, you know, buying whole fruit is the most expensive option. I mean, there are purees, there are um, syrups, and there's all kinds of, uh, there's artificial flavoring components that you can buy. There are all different options. There's a spectrum for brewers to work with. But, um, and Daniel, correct me if I'm wrong, but but whole local fruit is probably your most expensive option. Yeah, pretty much. Um in the past, we've been able to kind of uh, work with farmers markets where we uh, maybe buy buy whatever they've got left at the end of the market uh, for a bit cheaper than they'd otherwise sell it. So they don't have to transport it back and forth and sort of, you know, pay for the extra gas of moving the fruit around. Mm -hmm. um, but overall, even then, it's it's, you know, it does it does get, like you said, uh, pretty expensive. Um, so this is kind of an awesome way for us to, you know, not take any fruit off any food off any plates, but at the same time, uh, and at the same time, save some money on on making some fantastic beer. Yeah, no, I mean this is lots of wins, kind of all in all at once. Um, so this year, um, you're still doing the the barrel aging. Uh, yes. Okay. And it's is it it's just peaches or a collection of stone fruits? Uh well we uh we're still talking about that a little bit. Last year there were uh some nectarines in the mix. Um and a little bit of it comes down to uh what's available. Uh last year mm -hmm. I think it was there was a lot of peaches available, so uh that's what we went with. Um but yeah, uh as we get into the season, uh I guess we'll we'll find out. And yeah, I think last year was, you know, August when we were july august when we were doing this and so that was the peach yeah. season and we would grab uh at our farmers markets we have this team especially in dupont who you know at the end of the market they run around in a frenzy and getting all the gleaning the markets from the vendors so that they don't have to bring the food the what they did not sell that day back to their farms because there's there's not a whole lot they can do with it so we have a few different teams that come and pick up for their pantries or for their you know um whatever their agency is. And so that's how we were able to kind of get uh, apricots and, or not apricots, peaches and nectarines were kind of something that we were able to get um, a ton of from mostly the farm, Toygo farm, um, which is, I believe out in Virginia, but I could be wrong mm -hmm. about that. Um, they were, they were huge um, donators for this, for the peaches this year. That's amazing. And um is this the only uh, brewing project that you've worked on as far as, or are there other breweries that you've worked with for, um, you know, beers and food waste? We had done one for Earth Day and um, for Food Waste Prevention Week, which happened in um, April. And we had mm -hmm. worked with Urban Garden Brewing, who's a contract brewer with City State. Um, nice. And we were using bread from Raven Hook Bakehouse. So we were part of this... Um, the there's a, a food waste prevention group um and so they had asked us to fill facilitate because we have we get bread from ravenhook bakehouse almost every day and they had bread that was um 
about to turn and they couldn't donate it anywhere. So they froze it for us and kept it until we were ready till Urban Garden Brewing was ready to start brewing. And they ended up brewing it at Wright Proper because I believe City State at the time, their boiler was broken or something was going on. So they they brewed it at Wright Proper and they had this little event, which was great. And the beer tasted great. They used um, sourdough with, um, it, was, it was a wheat beer with, um, I want to say mango. No, it was delightful. Nice. So we're trying yeah. to kind of incorporate it into this into Daniel's beer this year, trying to get some bread from probably Ravenhook as well. Um and and see what we can do with that. And yeah, Daniel, you had mentioned using bread in, in this one. Um for our listeners, what does that entail as far as the brewing process? Um, so I still have to do a bit of studying on this myself, but uh, I was probably mm-hmm. gonna reach out to Urban Garden and see if they could give me any tips. Um, but overall, you know, uh, there's uh, there's certain enzymes in, in malted grain that will break down the starches that crown the grain into fermentable sugars. Mm-hmm. Um, and by my understanding, we should be like those those should be able to break down uh, the starches from the bread uh, down into fermentable sugars in the in the same sort of way. Um, so you sort of just mix it in with your mash um, uh, at the start of you know at the start of the brew. Okay. Uh, and yeah, and extract a bit of sugar out of the out of that bread. Nice. I just I mean I have like a a vision of you just like casually tossing loaves, you know, into a into a, <laughs> a mash tun and I feel like I feel like there's like probably a little bit more of a process there that maybe I don't know about. Um but, you know, I'll just I'll keep that mental picture, you know, permanently. Um, yes. <laughs> We'll send you a picture um, if he does it just holding a loaf over the over the brew and send it to you. Thank you. <laughs> so you can have that. Yeah. No, I no, I'm fascinated by by that process. I know that I've seen some other beers, you know, where they use like pumpernickel and um and other, you know, different um different bread options. And I, I'm I'm curious as to what that what that looks like, how that translates. Um, so that'll be really cool to see. Um, so Daniel, I wanted to also uh, highlight, you know, kind of off off the topic here, um, aside from your awards, aside from um, food rescue and um, all the exciting things that you have going on and going into the, to the busy, busy summer season, um, you all are opening a new brewery. We are. Um, we are opening a brewery in uh, Alexandria, a small mm-hmm. brew pub uh, setup um, in, uh, in at a at a place called Carlisle Crossing. Nice. Um, I'm very excited for this. Right by my house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, we talked a bit before this, but uh, we'll also be bringing uh, Andy of Andy's Pizza with us, so there'll be a uh, pizza available there too. Um, nice. yeah, it'll be a small, uh, 10 barrel brew, brew house, um, 10 barrel fermenters and right tanks. Uh, we'll still have the, uh, the favorite pour beers on, um, but we'll also be brewing some, uh, some special things ju- that'll just be served over at the Alexandria Brew Pub. Um, don't have any information just yet as to what, what that's all going to be, but, uh, a lot of them are going to be rotating and, uh, and yeah, we're very excited. Uh, it, it is slated to open late this year. 
Nice. That's awesome. And so with that kind of smaller system, is this maybe an opportunity to like, this will be a space where you can try out new, new beers, like maybe a little pilot situation. Yeah. So we, uh, we do actually have a, a very small pilot system at our, at our main uh, facility in Ivy city, mm -hmm. uh, little three barrel system. Um, but in the past, we have messed around with uh, scaling things up to the, the 10 barrel brew house in our Navy Yard location uh, before we go all the way to uh, the 20 barrel system at um, at Ivy City. Uh, it gives us a kind of like a great way to sort of uh, step up the volume little by little and, and just really gauge uh, gauge our customers' um, thoughts on, on each beer uh, and maybe right. tweak it along the way. Um, so yeah, Alexandria will definitely be another outlet for for a bit of that experimentation. Nice, that's awesome. I'm I'm really really excited for that, and um, you know, I feel like you all have done a a lot of good for your community, and you know, I'm excited to see you all embracing um food rescue. Um. Colleen, can you give our listeners a little bit of, you know, where they can get involved, maybe, you know, a little information on the app. Um, I definitely want to leave them with something to seek out. Yeah, absolutely. So um, anyone can download our app, go to app.foodrescue.us um, <clears throat> and download it. And then you can kind of start seeing, sign up as a rescuer and start seeing what makes sense for you and your schedule and, and your area. We're in the we're in all of DC, parts of PG County and, and Anne Arundel County, and then also um, Northern Virginia. So we have pickups in Alexandria as well. Um, Fairfax, Tyson's Winter, you know. Um, and then we are having our uh, fundraiser, and that will be September 21st um, on H Street at Gallery O on H, at, I think it's 1354 H Street in Northeast. Um, and that's just a good time. We'll have Daniel's beer, which will be delicious. And other um, of our food donors and restaurant partners will set up and have bites and, and different restaurants will have little cocktails as well with a silent auction. And a, we have live cooking demos. We have a live band. So it's just a good time for a great cause. And it allows us to continue to grow and rescue more food and have more connections um, in the city. We're, we're a two-man team here in D.C., um, so we're, we definitely keep busy and we would love to be able to expand what we're doing. Um, so that's always helpful. If you come to our event it would be fantastic. Yes, yeah. And, and please... somebody who was there. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. And somebody who's there, what? Uh, somebody who was there last year, the, uh, the, it was also just a really fun party. Uh, the food was great. Um, and it was, it was a blast. Nice. Well, uh, Colleen, please let us know when like tickets go on sale and, um be excited to uh to make sure we we get some get some people excited about that yeah definitely um, thank you but anyways thank you both for uh taking the time to come back on the show and talk a little bit about food waste and how to uh repurpose and, and get creative so that we keep more food out of landfills and uh daniel i'm really excited for for all that you have uh in store for atlas um do you have a rough idea of maybe when this beer will be available or do you ha still have some available from last year? Uh, we did stow away one keg uh, from last year. So that is, that is sitting in our cellar. 
Uh, mm -hmm. This beer, though, we're planning to debut it at the at the gala. At the gala. Okay. Fantastic. Well, thank you both so much. And uh, I will uh, look forward to all that's in store for the coming year. Um, listeners, this has been another episode of Beer Me Radio. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to reach out at Beer Me Radio on Instagram or beermeradio at gmail.com. Uh, please like, subscribe, give all the stars anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, but we will catch you next time. Cheers. Thanks so Cheers. much.